bloom where you're planted. Bloom where you're planted. So be grateful that you have a job, number one, because there's a lot of people out there that don't have one. Be grateful that you're in a job that's like awesome. Like, like we train athletes and then we go to sports games. <laughs> like, you know, so we have an awesome job. Like crush it, like crush the job. Like, and not just, just the job, the job around the job. Like be the person in the athletic staff that like you're at or wherever you're at, like your organization, your company, be the person that like people want to be around. Be the person that like when somebody needs help with something, you're like, oh, that's not my job. That's not on my job description. Don't do that. You know, be the person that, like picks up the trash off the field, like off the field and not complain about it. <laughs>
um, I, I, that, that head strength and conditioning coach position, but I'm the acting director. I mean, my job, I, I lead our strength and conditioning program. I mean, titles aside, I am the, doing the job of director of strength and conditioning. I hired the staff, the strength and conditioning staff. Um, and, you know, I, we, we do have a director of performance. Um, but when it comes to strength and conditioning, it's, you know, I guess my decision, <laughs> if you will. Um, and I've been in this position for, it'll be three years in January um, that I've been in this position. Um, and it, it's been great, you know, it's been great. I mean, it's been a, a learning experience, if you know, to say the least. <laughs> Fantastic. So we are going to hop right into the thick of it. So something we were chatting about a little bit earlier and partly for my own selfish reasons to want to chat about this, because I'm in an interesting point in my career where I'm no longer in a box of school. I officially have my master's and I'm adulting and it's super fun, totally. And I can literally do whatever I want and kind of just trying to decide where I want to go, what field or sector, what level and all of these things. And it's, and it's every job is going to have its challenges and every job is going to have a certain amount and type of fulfillment. I got that from one of my good friends and every job is going to have its pros and cons, but it's like, there's going to be different challenges and it's challenges that you want or it's challenges that you kind of have to deal with. And then it's, it's fulfilling in, in different kinds of ways. So if you could kind of just chat about, so of course, with all of these crazy times that we're going through right now, the, the decision to stay at Princeton for such a long time, like you said, you love it there. And, and like, you've helped build that department into what it is. I, I think I remember it was like just two or three of you. Now there's what, six or seven strength coaches. And now that you're doing all the hiring and, and all that kind of stuff. So if you could just chat about those, those components of a job, like the challenges and how fulfilling and deciding to stay and leave and kind of just navigating and thinking about career moves. Yeah, I, it's an interesting question. Um, I, you know, took a very like, general path when it comes to, you know, I worked my way up, you know, from being a staff at two of two to now being a staff of six. Um, and, you know, just as, you know, my title being assistant and training my teams and that's what I did, you know, and then as we grew staff and me just having the longevity there, I mean, I had like un unofficial seniority on the staff, just having been there for so long. So when we hired new people it was kind of like me showing the ropes of who we are at Princeton Strength and Conditioning. Um, and, you know, all still while, like, you know, having those small, like, leadership opportunities, all still while, you know, training my teams, you know, I mean, I've had six teams forever <laughs> since I've been there. So, um, I, I still got, you know, I got like those, that small, those small learning experiences from, you know, just, you know, bringing staff aboard and whatnot. But, you know, obviously, like, I always want to be on the floor to some extent, like strength and conditioning is, my passion like it just is like I'm, I'm still training squat-tober and um, I you know I just I love that aspect of what I do and it keeps me young I feel like it keeps me young like I just feel like it keeps me hungry to train you know um, and I love just being around young people and whatever so I, I, I want to always stay in that game but um, having transitioned to a a more leadership position um, was a very like large turning point in my career. Um, and it, it, it wasn't something like it kind of, we, we got a new athletic director and she wanted to create a director of performance. And um, 
you know, our director of strength conditioning at the time, you know, moved into that position and he's currently there and he's our director of performance. And he's also a brother to me. <laughs> I've been, you know, I mean, I sat in an office with him, like just him and I for 13 years. So it was a natural transition and um, I'm super happy that he got that position, but I, it was a position of not training teams. It was a position of him, you know, more administrative, you know, like meetings. And while it's a, it's a position where like he gets to connect strength and conditioning, athletic medicine, you know, sports psychology, nutrition, administration, all those areas to what we do. Um, it still wasn't like him on in touch with athletes on the floor on a daily basis. And I know that he went through like kind of uh, an emotional transition there. Like, and, and I wouldn't say that was like his favorite transition. Like, he, when he took that position to, you know, take that more of administrative role while he's great at it, he is absolutely spectacular at it. He missed training athletes. And I remember being like, I don't want that position. Like, I, I just remember saying, I, if you don't get this, I don't like want it. <laughs> I want to train athletes. Like I just, and I still want to train athletes, even if that position opened and, you know, he went someplace else. I don't think I want that position. Like I want to be in the weight room. Um, but as far as leading the staff, um, that was, an, uh, it was something that I was now officially doing, if you will, um, you know, rather than just like onboarding people as we hired new staff, this was like, okay, like now I'm your leader of this program. And it wasn't the easiest of transitions, you know, um, like, cause it was going from like these people being essentially my colleagues, we all had assistant strength and conditioning coach titles to me now, like being their leaders and while I, you know, had, you know, good relationships with them, it's still kind of an awkward transition to be like, hey, now I'm, I'm responsible for you. And I'm responsible for like the things that you're doing on a day to day basis, good or bad. I, you know, I need to make sure that we're all in the right place here, that we're all a team, that we're all developing all those things. And um, it wasn't the easiest of transitions. I, you know, like, some people were easier than others, but um, it was a learning experience. And right off the bat, like I dove into like our universe, Princeton offers a lot of um, professional development just within the university. So um, like I, you know, I dove into a manager certificate course just because um, I was just like, well, I know that it, it really ultimately takes experience, like getting a certification, like it, you, you're learning the material, but ultimately, like, you have to be in the position to learn how you want to, who you are as a leader, you know, or, like, who you are as a strength coach after getting a certificate. Like, you need that kind of internship space before you actually, like, develop who you are, and I didn't, I kind of got the leadership position and then took the course. It was, like, the opposite way around, so I was kind of, like, you know, the course, like, helped me understand, you know, the university more, like, helped understand how to give, you know, I guess you would say, like, professional feedback, um, and, you know, those types of things, and good insight on things, um, but, you know, really, it, it comes down to practical application, and um, so it's been a, you know, work in progress. I mean, I definitely have developed in the last three years as a leader. I mean, um, just who I am, like, who I hire, how I hire, the questions that we ask. I mean, I remember like having one interview for one position and then saying, hey, listen, we need to add to this interview process. Like, this is what we're going to do now. Now we're going to actually, you know, I, I mean, I know they do this at other universities, but we weren't currently doing it. Like, we're going to have them take our some of our staff through a warm-up. We want to see how they coach. It's not going to just us be sitting 
down and, you know, in a, and them telling me about it, I kind of want to see them do it, you know? Um, and so we implemented that. So just like implementing how you're going to hire and like the questions you ask, even in an interview, like I just started changing that and just adding like my own questions just to kind of get to know somebody. I mean, in the field, usually like, I mean, it's, it's likely that you're going to know somebody that knows somebody that's going to give you um, you know, some sort of information about the person's applying for your job, but not all the time, you know, like you might be doing a blind hire. So I want to get better at blind hires, even if I do know, you know, where this person's coming from or somebody that knows somebody. I, I just think they need to fit into our staff, into our personality. And that is something that I'm still learning how to do. <laughs> um, so that, that's kind of like where we're at right now. And I, I don't, I don't, this is not, this is a continuous process of learning to grow as a leader and knowing who I am as a person um, and who I am as a leader, all while still training my athletes and, and continuing to want to get by in there and learning how to be better with them. And speaking on, on the, the challenges of the jobs you mentioned going from the assistant to the associate head and then just comparing and contrasting from the associate head to the director, well, there's obviously the pros of the financial implications of having that director role. And also there's, there's pros and cons of going from assistant to associate head, but also associate head technically is in the director, but also right. the challenges of admin, more of those responsibilities, putting everything together. Well, you get rid of the challenge of working with athletes, you know, and that's also one of the fulfilling components also is being on the floor every day with them. And this is something that, that I've been, I've been wrestling with because I have two years of college experience plus on and off for four years in the private field. And, and I'm not saying that coaching a variety of different athletes and having to be creative and all these different things, because they don't have to be there. You have to make it so they want to mm -hmm. be there and you're going to get a variety of different athletes and skill sets and all these different things. Like 100% I'm becoming a better coach of it, but some challenges that I believe I want is, is something that demands the technical best of me as opposed to, um, just kind of being creative and thinking on my feet. But then also on the flip side, my, my mentor, he made a comment. He's like, you could blindfold me, put me anywhere, give me any client and I'll crush it because I've had that seven year old that doesn't want to be there. I've had a hundred high school football players and I've had 10 of our NFL veterans that are all banged up, you know? So I've just had to figure it out. And, he, and just having this kind of chat with him, it's like, if he went to college, it's, it's like, what, I, I have two teams. And I get them three days a week for, for eight months a year and they, and they have to be there and they're motivated and they're athletic. Like, what do I have to sell? You know? And, and just like compare, and, and he's a chaos guy. Like he loves the chaos, you know, and someone who needs a little, a little bit more structure, but then also kind of the, the fulfilling aspect. So, so just comparing contrasting a relatively smaller school like Princeton to let's say a bigger school where you enjoy working with, with six teams versus one or two. And if it's a bigger school, maybe they are there for just athletics, but Princeton obviously being a very pre prestigious school, it's gonna be a more kind of holistic chance to lead them as well. So if you could just chat about kind of the fulfilling aspects of being at a school, like, cause there's obviously the allure, power five, you get all the gear and uh, I love gear myself, you know, don't, <laughs> don't get me wrong. But if you could just chat about Part of the reason to stay at Princeton is because relative or what you find valuable in the fulfillment of it all. If you could just chat on that a little bit. Yeah. Um, first of all, I want to meet your mentor. 
I mean, awesome. I feel like I could still learn to like think on my feet. I'm spoiled. I mean, I kind of knew I wanted to work in college. Like I, I wanted to work with, I mean, I consider college athletes elite athletes. So let's just go with that. And, um, I, I knew that this was the setting I wanted to be in. I mean, having tapped into, um, you know, personal training, I worked at sports training facilities. My husband owned a sports training facility. Um, I, I, I'm familiar with that industry and it's just, and, and my husband is a fun, like he is a fabulous strength and conditioning coach, even though that's like not his current field because, and he learned a lot of things about athletic medicine because you don't have, you can't just be like, go to the trainer type of thing, you know? So there's a lot of great aspects to being in the private sector like you are. And like there, I'm spoiled in areas that like kind of limit me in a lot of ways because first, like I just send someone off the athletic trainer instead of having to like figure out what's going on. I mean, obviously like, like there's always a certain level of expertise there and you're not trying to like overstep that, but still like the, the, the figuring out of like what to do with somebody that wants to continue to train with you, but also may have some injuries. I know how to treat injuries. I know how to modify workouts, but like really digging in to something like that, like some more of like a, a Mike Roberts type of system, you know, where, you know, like that kind of stuff, you know? And um, uh, so, I mean, there's a lot of development that goes in that area. And I think that I'm limited in a lot of ways, <laughs> you know, because I've been at a, in a university setting for so long. So don't downplay like the benefits of, you know, being in the private sector. Um, but I also do know that I, I don't like to have to sell. <laughs> like, though, I, I, that's one thing I know about myself is that I just, especially as a young strength and conditioning coach, I was like, I don't want to have, I want them to have to be there yeah. <laughs> because I didn't know how to sell myself as a young strength and conditioning coach. You know, like I, I didn't know how to do that. Now I think I would do a lot better job of it if I were in the private sector. Um, but I just wanted to train, you know, and I just wanted athletes to train. And, and that's part of the maturing process of who I am now you know, and teaching young people about that transition into like just being obsessed with training to this is a people job and we're a service industry type of thing. Um, but in regard to the Princeton aspect, I think that I just, I come from, while the university and the Ivy League has become so diverse in, you know, the type of backgrounds and students that they have there, there's also still like a certain level of like privilege that goes along with it. And I'm not saying that in a bad way. I'm just saying what it is really, you know? Um, and, you know, I, I think that, you know, me coming from more of a blue collar background, um, I, I, I offer a lot to, I, I guess that like hardened me a little bit, you know, and it hardened me in a way where, you know, like I'm like this blue collar girl that like could not get into Princeton University if I tried, um, even now. <laughs> and, you know, like just, you know, my, and then part of my personality, like the directness of like who I am, like I'm direct. I really am. I'm direct and it's not soft sometimes, you know, I'm just the tell you what I think kind of girl. And, um, because, you know, I'm, I'm all about efficiency and I feel like that's the best way to get, whether a good or bad reaction, like efficiency is my track, you know, and I want to get from point A to point B as quickly as possible. This is why I don't enjoy snowboarding because it's like, you're supposed to enjoy the journey down the hill. And I'm just like, just go down the hill. Maybe racing would be my thing, but whatever. The point is, is that, um, like I want efficiency and, um, 
And like, that's kind of like part of my personality just to kind of communicate that way, which again, as you know, somebody that's been in the field for a long time and has matured as a professional, knowing that like, while efficiency is important, you know, there's like, you might need to like soften up how you say things, Angie. <laughs> and um, I, you know, but I think that it, that is still very, um, that is still who I am. And, and I, that's what a lot of sport coaches appreciate about me. Um, and they, they just, they appreciate like somebody being so direct and not like, you know, fluffing things to make it, make them feel good about what they're doing. And, um, and I'm like, this is our goal. This is our purpose. And like, sometimes it's going to be fun. We're gonna have a good time and, and it's going to feel good or not terrible. And then sometimes it's not going to feel great, but just know that we have this purpose and what our purpose is and just like keep thinking about the purpose. And I, a lot of coaches rely on me to like express that a lot where like, you know, whether it be in team meetings, like motivational speaking wise, like just expressing like our purpose and, um, because I didn't recruit these kids, you know, and it's different with a sport coach. Like they recruit a kid and they sit in the kid's home. I mean, not now they don't, but they were when they were recruiting and, you know, like talking to their parents and saying like, your child is my child for the next four or five years. And, you know, like there's a, there's a certain level of responsibility that goes with like, um, like, um, you know, nurturing that is the word I should say, like nurturing that, like, and we all want the best for these kids. Don't get me wrong. I want the best for them too. But I mean, I don't get to choose who I get, you know, and, you know, sometimes you get the athlete that is super talented and the one that's not. And you, um, you know, and that like also super talented and that's just a gamer and just doesn't want to have anything to do with strength and conditioning. And then you have the one that is like, you know, this can really help me and I'm going to dig into this, blah, blah, blah. And um, I just, my directness is like important in those times, you know? Um, and then when like your question about Princeton, don't, I haven't forgotten it. Your question about Princeton specifically is that um, I, I feel that like, Princeton needs, like our athletes, even our students, like we need, they need a little hardening up. They need a little directness. They need a little somebody telling them the truth and, you know, you know, them not being the best everywhere. Because like, you have to think about this, like our kids, not only like with most athletes that are recruited to be in college, were probably the best at their high school teams, but also they were the best students. Like they were the best everywhere, you know, and to come here and, you know, at Princeton, a lot of times, this is the first time kids have heard the word no, <laughs> you know, and, you know, our, like a former football coach said that to me. And that was, I was like, wow, that I never thought of it like that, but it, he's right, you know? And us saying that it's going to be as easy as maybe you thought it was because you can't think your way through being a better athlete. You can't think your way out of this, you know, or into it. You have to actually work. And I'm not saying that you're not willing to, and I'm not saying you didn't work hard to get into the university, but like there's work to go here, you know? Um, and... I love to have a good time and I love to laugh and joke, but, you know, I actually think that it's the expectations that I hold with these kids where, you know, they, you know, it's that next level expectation. And I, and all strength coaches probably do this. In fact, I know they do, you know, uh, that's what our job is. We're, our job is to get an athlete to like reach their potential. And most of these kids, like, I would say a lot of Princeton kids thought like that, you know, they just want to come and play because they, they've reached their potential. And I'm like, no, actually, you could be better. You could be better. And that's hard for them to hear. But if you deliver it properly, like, they respect it. 
you know, um, and that's kind of like where I am here. And I, I say that because, and I keep like at this point, like I wasn't always like this. I it wasn't, if you interviewed me back, you know, like 15 years ago, I wouldn't have these things to say about where I'm at. You know, I just probably want to talk about training and, you know, it's all about the barbell, you know, and it's not, it's, you know, it's about people and it is about the barbell. Don't get me wrong. I mean, we don't get strong without that, you know, I mean, or an implement if you will, but like it's about people and it doesn't matter how good your program is really if you don't get buy-in, you know? Um, so, I mean, cause you could have a terrible program and get great buy-in and then have the best program ever and not get any. So I mean, I'd rather be the person with terrible program and get buy-in so they're doing something, you know? And this is kind of like where in this time, since my university is still remote, this is where, like, that's actually really testing you as a strength coach and how much buy-in you actually got from these athletes, showing them the importance of the training and talking to them about training and talking to them about consistency. It's not, like, there's only so many things you can do, whether you have a gym or you don't have a gym, if it's open, it's not open, all the things. But the consistency of training, the importance of what we're doing and why we're doing it, it's the purpose, it's the mission. Like, that, like, who we are as strength coaches at my university and those that are still pretty much remote or not in school, that aspect of who we are, our coach is being tested right now. And it's, and I love it. Like I got a freshman emailing me from the lacrosse team this morning saying, Hey, I, I've been trying to do these like, you know, gym, regular gym workouts, but I'm struggling. Can we get, can I get the program that's limited equipment? I'm like, I was just saying, I'm so happy you reached out to me. Yes, you can. And knowing that she clearly is doing some sort of the program because she wouldn't have known that if she wasn't but, you know, like just asking like, hey, I need something more here because my situation is different than somebody else's. And, and I'm like, yes, I always, that's the first thing I say to all those emails is like, I'm so happy you reached out to me because I want, that means that I'm getting that buy-in. Like, like whether, I mean, she was a freshman, so she doesn't know me yet, but the culture of the team has expressed to this particular person that, hey, this is what we do and this is why we do it and we need to prepare and this is important. Um, and, you know, so like, let's celebrate that. And not to get, not to make like a kind of aha moment, but being remote and you have to like sell why it's important and sell why you have to be in on this stuff and how there's value in really every experience and not to say, and like, I don't know if it's, it's a phrasing thing. I'm not trying to like nitpick technicalities, but like there's different kinds of sellings in, in different sectors. And like, mm -hmm. just as much as, as you have to get kids to want to show up, in the private field, you have to get kids to want to try in the college field, even though they have to be there. And I think that there's value in every opportunity if you see it and if you make it so. And maybe I'm a little biased because I'm in the private field right now and I, and I have to get an interview to talk it through because on paper it doesn't look, you know. There's some people that value it more or less, but kind of just as you spoke through the different challenges and the different types of fulfillment that you have in being a D1, a smarter, but a little bit of a smaller school. I, I want to tie this into kind of an action step as I've been having my networking journey, reaching out to people, just asking interesting questions and hearing their perspectives. A lot of the pro people that I've talked to, they're like, yeah, it's really honestly not all it's cut out to be. You know, like these guys are, are freaks and they're paid millions of dollars to play their sport. Like some of them are interested in training. Some of them couldn't care less. And if they don't want to show up, like, like who am I to tell a guy that's making 15 times what I'm making that he has to do a squat? Like 
If he doesn't want to work out, he doesn't want to work out. And in the off season, they go to their guy, you know, and, and all these yep. different things. So if I had to tie this into action, kind of trying to figure out and maneuver where the listener wants to go as a professional is just like have those conversations with people so you can go and do it yourself or you can ask people who have been there, done that. And, and that's why there's been so much value in, in having someone above me in the private field, my mentor, where I realized that there is so much value in the private field where they don't have to be here every day. Is it one day a week, two days a week? You know, I had a 12 year old yesterday that didn't want to be there. And then I had 10 middle schoolers. It was super cold outside on the grass. It was kind of slick. And, and it's, and it was, it was funny. It was raining and the day before, and I was like, oh gosh, like, am I going to have to go on zoom and all of this stuff? And then I went to the facility just in case I had to go to the field and the sun came out and I'm like, it's going to be soaking. The kids don't want to be there, but I'm going to have to be creative because we're on grass. We all have awful tennis shoes on. No one has cleats. And there's these skills that I'm going to develop that I'm going to develop today on having to take them through an hour speed and agility workout on a wet grass without cleats and whatever I'm going to have to figure out, I'm, it's going to make me a better coach, you know? And, yeah. and it's funny with my whoop, like ever since I had this combo with my mentor about how I can maximize being in the private field. Cause over the summer when I was looking for a job, it's funny. I was like, I'll be out of here by July or August. And look at me now it's, it's October 1st. And, I, and over the summer, I was kind of just like waiting for waiting to leave. And I had this talk with my mentor about how, how do I use where I am now to help me get to where I want to go? And honestly, like my numbers have been insane on my whoop just because I'm so much more into my coaching because I'm realizing the value in it. But also like if I have an idea of where I want to go, then that helps me maximize where I am now. So if I had to tie into an action step, reach out to that power five coach that has one school or one, uh, one team, reach out to that smaller D1, reach out to that D3 coach, reach out to that, that uh, major league team, reach out to that minor league team, because, you know, I had these perceptions of big time sports, I had these perceptions of big time schools, and then you chat with them, and they're like completely different. Like, these are just vague assumptions that I'm making about, like, I've never been there. So it's like, you can go do it yourself, you can just ask other people. And it's, it's been interesting to hear kind of your, your, perspectives on on the smaller d1 versus the bigger d1 and then my mentor talking about well if i was at a school with one or two teams and they all had to be there like like i would like he said he would crush it you know not to make him sound kind of cocky but there's these challenges that you find fulfilling or not fulfilling and things that vibe with who you are being a little bit blue collared so where you can be a little bit hard on them and that's a setting where where they need it you know Princeton's an elite university, you know, like I think we can all agree on that versus if you go to a bigger school where they're just there to ball out, you know, and like their talent has gotten there and their talent might continue to take them there, you know? So then if, if that has inspired you for any kind of other talking points, but if I had action, it would be to, to ask people that are where you think you want to go and ask them, what do you find challenging? that you enjoy? What do you find challenging that you don't enjoy? And why is it fulfilling to you? And why is it not? I think that that, that would help a lot of people try to figure out where they want to go for sure. I feel that um, I agree with you 100%. I mean, like, this is why with our internships, you know, there's some universities that require different levels of, you know, credits for internships. And as through our internship program, as it grew, I mean, it got to the point where like, if you do like a 
you know, one, you know, whatever, three credit internship. That's like 10 hours a week. And I was like, 10 hours a week is not giving you any information about like how we do things and how collegiate training and conditioning actually works. Like you need to be here at least, at the very least, 20 hours a week. Like you need to learn, if anything, how to grind. And if that means that you're like still taking classes and then coming to your internship and you're tired and you don't have a lot of time and blah, blah, well, at least you're getting the understanding of like how to grind. Like I, you, you need to have that ability to grind, you know, and, and I feel that, it's important for young people to understand that our field has evolved a lot since I've been young and um, grinding is all we knew because we were so few and far between and what we do. And now we're, we're a field that's growing and it's great, you know, but the grind is still there. And I mean, I, whether you're private sector or not, you know, you need to hustle, grind, whatever you want to call it. Like you have to have the ability to do it. And if you think you're just going to walk in and things are going to go your way, you got it wrong. You know, um, so I think that for a young strength and conditioning coach, I absolutely agree. Like, you know, spend some time at a collegiate setting, spend some time at a private sector setting, talk to those strength and conditioning coaches. You know, like when I got, you know, um, you know, a, a job opportunity came my way. I mean, I called people and I've been in this field for a long time, <laughs> you know, but I, you know, it was going from like multiple teams and so not having a lot of teams and, you know, seeing like where I feel like most of my value is. Do I want to like how many, like, what are my touch points? Like, do I want the touch points of like multiple teams or I want touch points of one or two, you know, and like, where do I see my value? Um, and you, you made a great point about the differentiation between like a smaller D1 school and a larger D1 school. And you're absolutely right. It's like going talking about the NFL, you know, and they're saying it's not all that's cracked up to be because like they're freaks and blah, blah, or they've gotten there on their skill alone. You're absolutely right. I'm not saying that you can't help them because you can, because sometimes just because like, just like you may be a super skilled basketball player, but that and that's how you got that college scholarship but then you come in and you can't squat to death <laughs> you know and you're squatting and i'm having you hold a trx because you need to learn how to train even through a full range of motion and, and this isn't about even strength at this point this is about like mobility and longevity in your game you know and um so i mean it, like sometimes they are freaks and you're going to get you know those random people that can just do everything but you're also going to get those like random freak skilled athletes that can't so there's still like the ability to help them there um i like the value that i provide with like where i'm at like i just i love touching lots of athletes and there are so many benefits to having just one team you know like quality of life you know and and or maybe one team and it'd be a smaller team. I, you know, I think that like, if you're a football strength and conditioning coach at the college level, why, while you may have one team and a staff of five, I'm still at power five school. I'm not saying that that's, it's not even easy at Princeton. And you know, like we, like there's a lot that goes into like that culture of that sport, you know? So it depends on the sport as well. But um, I think you want to know where you can add value. And I think that as a young strength and conditioning coach, it definitely is important to talk to people and mentor and ask questions and, and, and to be involved in a lot of things. Like don't, you know, because we get interns that come to like, they think that the internship that they're entering into is way different than they think they're going to come in. They're going to spot a couple people. They're going to do their own bodybuilding workout in the corner and they call it a day. No, that's not how it's going to work. <laughs> you know, like if we're going to, if you want to put your stamp on our Princeton internship program, then, and if you want to ever use us as a reference, you're going through this program and you're going to get a, like a grade for it, whether it goes to an academic grade or not, we're going to tell you how, like, we're going to be direct with you on 
your performance, you know, because um, we're not putting our name behind you if you can't do this job and we don't feel like you can, you know. So um, I, I, you know, speaking to like the young population, I definitely like go out there and talk to people and have a mentor, you know, have multiple mentors, you know, um, and, you know, squash your ego, <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I feel like I think that I, as a young person, even myself, like, let me just talk about myself. I, like you, you, you're very, as a young person, I felt that, you know, like very defensive, very like, couldn't take feedback, not good at receiving feedback, you know, and just like, oh, well, my, like you're hung up on your program or you're, you know, like that, it's not, that's not it. And it, and if you're going to be, if you think that's so one dimensional and, you know, having been in this field in a long time and having such like a great leader as I grew up to this, through this field, like force me not to be one dimensional you know, and, um, and I hire staff that are, don't, that know things that I don't know. Like I, my staff is like great at programming, you know, and I'm always going to them for things because they're just, that's usually as a young shrink coach, like that's usually the area you're into. Like you're into the, the programming, like how many programs do I know or can I get to know and the technology and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I mean, I've been doing this a long time. I know my program's solid, but like, I want to hear what you know. You know, and I go to my staff for things like that. Um, and, and I, as a leader, that's important as well. Like, just because I'm a leader doesn't mean I know everything or even that I should. I hire people that know things that I don't know because it makes us a better staff, a well-rounded staff, and we can learn from each other. Um, so it's not really being a leader is not about me. It's about them. It's about developing them. And that's hard. That's hard having, being on the floor and doing the same, like, day-to-day -day as them, but also being their leader and trying to, like, grow them you know, um, as a challenge. And I'm, next, I, I want to speak on kind of what you mentioned about potentially having a mentor, but just like asking those a ton of different questions to a ton of different people and kind of checking your ego at the door. And uh, a really good friend of mine at USC, he's been on the podcast twice. And I called him about, about potential, just like a, a job op opportunity that came up. And, and he's a very straightforward guy. And I knew that he was. And, and he goes, bro, like, honestly, on paper, like, I don't, I don't see you getting where you want to go right now, you know? And like, I knew that that was going to happen, but I, I knew that I needed him to tell me that, you know? And like, so, th so that's just one example to where, like, did I want to hear that? Obviously not, you know, like every job I apply for, it's like, oh, I'll, like, I'll, I'll get a, I'll get a job or an interview. And like, I've gotten six no's out of like 45 job applications, you know, and one, one interview, but and then on the other side, kind of like a mentor, like I literally asked my mentor, I was like, yesterday, uh, six athletes at the field, they were talking during the warm up. you know, they were just super distracted. It, it took a while. I was really frustrated. Like, how do I get better at managing like bigger group? I mean, it's six. How do you get better at managing bigger groups of athletes? Because like in the private field, it's usually smaller. And if I want to go to college and I have to get better at that. And like, did I want to admit that I had some issues handling six kids. No, but I want to become the best coach I can be. I want to work on those skills that are going to help me get to where I believe I want to go. And then we had this conversation of, well, they're e-learning sitting in a screen all day. These are the first kids or first people besides their parents that they've interacted with all day. So they're outside. They're not looking at a screen. They're with kids their age and they're, and they think, you know, where I work is TC Boost. They think it's fun. So like, is there really going to be no talking? 
you know, and then how do you kind of steer into that skid? You know, if, if the energy is up, then you got to be a little bit more quiet. If the energy is kind of down, if they're kind of just like zombies from e-learning, then you have to bring it that day, mm-hmm. you know, and like having to figure out and navigate and, and learning how to not be super structured. You know, that's why I think I might like college because I know my athletes want to be there. I want to know when they're there and all this kind of stuff, but having to like, having to understand that there is going to be a little bit of chaos and being okay with it. And like, that was the conversation that like led my whoop numbers to be insane. You know, my, my 10 X, my 10 X day streak for strain is insane just because I've been so much more into it because it was just a conversation that I admitted that there was something I could get better at. So whether it's something career oriented or whether it's something that you actually do, like you can go do it yourself or you can ask people that have been there, done that. And like, it's like, I, I have imposter syndrome all the time. I'm like, who am I asking all of these people for their time? You know? And, and when they give me two, wow. three, four phone calls, I'm like, what did I do to deserve like these people being so nice to me? But you know, it's just like closed mouth doesn't get fed. Like the answer is always no, if you don't ask. So I think that, that there's so much value in putting your ego at the door when you know what you think you need to hear to help you kind of get to where you want to go. And then I'll kind of let you speak if, if that's uh, inspiring anything. Yeah, I, I think I absolutely agree with you. Um, I, you know, I, you definitely need to have mentors and I have mentors. I mean, everybody should have mentors, <laughs> you know, um, I'd like just people you can go to, like not only just in your field, but someone that's going to speak truth about you as a person as well. So it's not just about your skills. Um, and, but you know, that's interesting that you said that you went to someone that was going to be so direct with you and tell you that like on paper, you know, that, that, you know, like you need to build that resume, you know, um, and, and, or get out there, just have somebody to speak for you. I mean, it doesn't like, I, I, that's important as well. Like networking, like you said, but also just doing the job and, and, you know, we all want things like having those expectations. Well, I want this and I deserve this. Well, if you go through life with that, you're not going to win. It's just not a winning mindset, you know, because like that's entitlement, like stop with the entitlement. Like, I don't care if you have like the best resume and you have director experience and you've done these things. Like, and and, you know, I, I heard someone say like with my resume, I have like, I just, I haven't even gotten like callbacks and like with my resume, I would expect this, this salary. I was like, well, good luck. (laughs) You know, like, you have to be able to, like, to make it in our field, I mean, unless you're in some sort of specialty position, which I consider, like, you know, um, a, you know, a leadership position, like, you're being hired as a director, and, and or, like, football or basketball in our field in the college setting. Like, those are, those are jobs that, like, you're, you will likely get a higher offer right off the bat than you would just an assistant strength and conditioning position, regardless of your teams. And, you know, just saying that, like, I had to work my way up for 17 years to be where I am, not only to get, like, a director title, but just even earn the salary that I earned. So, like, I don't, even if you're, like, mid-range strength and conditioning coach, like, been in the field, like, three or four years, and, like, just, like, being, like, I deserve more money. Okay, why? Okay, why? Like, why do you deserve, like, what have you added value to, like, just you being here, like, training your teams is, everybody's doing that. So why, like, if I'm on a staff of five, like, why do you deserve more money? Or, you know, like, what have you done to like add to the staff? Like your teams like you? 
cool. <laughs> you know, like that's your job, you know? So, I mean, I think like, while it's nice to give everybody like, you know, more money and everybody wants more money. Like, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Like we should. And, you know, just like you said, like a closed mouth doesn't get fed. So if you don't ask, like it's likely won't happen. But, um, like, I, I think that like, I, I hate saying this, but like, pay your dues a little bit. Like, especially for like, you're talking to someone that's been in this field for 17 years. So I don't have a problem saying pay your dues. It might sound like come off wrong, but I paid my dues, you know, and I am continuing to grow and put myself in the challenging situations and like making like myself like worth something, you know, it just doesn't stop here, you know? Um, and knowing like your strengths and weaknesses and, or your areas of improvement and, um, so like, that's where it comes down to like ego, like cool that you've been to these big schools. That doesn't mean anything. Like, I mean, really, honestly, like you could have like, you know, five power five schools in your resume. And I'm going to ask you, why did you move around five times? You know, like if you have all, if you've been, it'd be different if you're like, Hey, listen, I, I work, I'm working this full-time job. And then I've done internships at these places. But if you've had like five full-time jobs at power five schools, I'm going to be like, well, you know, why, why do you, why have you moved around five times? <laughs> You're talking to someone that hasn't. So if you want this job, like, I, I mean, you need to prove to me that like you're the one and, and that like you're landing this job because like you belong here. Um, and I, and I know that like one of your questions was like, to, like, what's your advice to somebody like, you know, with resumes and, you know, how to like grow in the field. And I, and this, I, I am stealing this term from somebody that I heard on some sort of professional development I was doing. Um, earlier in the, you know, during COVID and bloom where you're planted, bloom where you're planted. So be grateful that you have a job, number one, because there's a lot of people out there that don't have one. Be grateful that you're in a job that's like awesome. Like, like we train athletes and then we go to sports games. <laughs> like, you know, so we have an awesome job, like crush it, like crush the job. Like, and not just just the job, the job around the job, like be the person in the athletic staff that like you're at or wherever you're at, like your organization, your company, be the person that like people want to be around, be the person that like when somebody needs help with something, you're like, oh, that's not my job. That's not on my job description. Don't do that. You know, be the person that, like picks up the trash off the field, like off the field and not complain about it. Like be like add other values. Like, and, and I believe, I mean, and, and I believe that like, It'll take care of itself. But one thing I will say is that strength coaches have a tendency to just kind of put their heads down at work. Like we're terrible at talking good about ourselves. I mean, having been on a recent job interview, I'm like, and I, this was coming from one of like my colleague mentors that I was asking questions to. He's like, Angie, like I, I, I landed this job and I'm still bad at like talking about myself and how much value I do add. Like there's something about us strength and conditioning. We're too humble sometimes, like too humble when it comes to, you know, um, saying the good things that we do. So, you know, when you're on it, like you want, when you're, if you are on an interview, like you have to sell yourself. Like, I'm not saying like, I'm definitely not saying like be cocky or something like that. Like coming across, like you are the greatest, but coming across, like being excited about who you are and what values that you add to, um, like whatever, you know, job that you would be applying for, like is important and, and showing that excitement and showing that value and having references that can speak to that value. Um, and, you know, as 
I definitely suggest like young people, like number one, like always ask your references, like before you put them down as a reference. <laughs> Cause that's happened to me multiple times that, you know, you've had like former staff or interns, like not even aware, like let you know that, you know, that they are putting you down a re reference and you get like a surprise call. And I'm like, mm, that's, I mean, I can speak to the fact that, um, you know, what they did with us, but like, that's not professional courtesy to not let a reference know that, you know, that you've put them down. Um, but so, I mean, those are simple yet very like impactful things. And I'm just going to go back to where I'm saying, like, I think the words bloom where you planted essentially take care of themselves. Like, you know, be great in what you're doing and be excited about doing it. And I, I love that phrase. And, and I referenced earlier, like maximizing where you're at. And I got this from a few other Samson interviews that I did where it's like, if you can't handle getting both golf teams and both cross country teams, like what makes you think that you can handle football, you know? And if you can't handle that, that D three role, like what makes you think you can handle that power five. Right. And if you can't, if you can't, like crush your session with that 12 year old that, that doesn't want to be there. What makes you think you can crush, you know, and it's just like, and this is another conversation I had with my mentor and kind of just how am I, like, what's my headspace at with this job search and like call it whatever you want to call it universe destiny. But like, I'm not ready for whatever job I want. So how do I maximize here to be ready when that opportunity comes, you know? And like, and, and if you're just trying to like clock in clock out, like you don't deserve that job. You know, and then which brings me to my next point, I want to talk about like how you reference paying your dues and like you don't deserve it, you know, and like the fact that I just admitted that I applied to 45 jobs, I got six no's in one interview, like either my resume is not right on paper or my resume, regardless of how I write it up, just isn't right, you know, and that's a sucky thing to realize. And it's one thing to, to have someone say, yo, like you think you're it, but you're not. And it's one thing for someone to say that and say, you don't deserve it, but here's how you earn it. You know, you have to do X, you have to do Y, you have to do Z. Because those are two completely different conversations, right? You have to have someone that's going to tell you how it is, but then you have to have someone who's been there, done that to help guide you to like, you don't deserve it, but here's how you can earn it. Um, and then the last thing, uh, we'll, we'll chat for, I don't know, five, 10 more minutes just to keep this a, a decent length episode. It, I had seven questions, but I, I really enjoyed this conversation. Could you speak on the mentors that you have, have had in the past and just how you've leaned on them? Because that's a question that I've been asked recently was like, what is mentorship? Because I referenced my mentor a lot. And like when I was at TCU in Texas, we emailed every other week and that was huge. And now it's, you know, my, my mentor and I will Zoom, even though we work, you know, we'll Zoom in the morning because he's at his house and I'm at mine. And then we'll kind of chat 30 minutes before the facility closes. You know, so kind of what mentorship means to you and, and how to go about kind of finding one, asking for one, or, or just like what it means to you. Well, um, somebody gave another, I, I've been doing a lot of professional development. A lot of everyone that was like webinar, Zoom happy in the beginning in our field. So it was like, join everything. Everybody's doing something. And I was, it was a book, um, you know, that someone was speaking about the difference between mentorship and coaching. And a mentor is going to like, while they may know you, they're going to tell you like what your strength and, you know, like what they think your strengths are, like what they think like your areas of improvement are because they, it's a one-sided conversation really. Like it, because 
they've, they know you in this space and you can sit there and you can talk about your perspective of yourself, but they are not seeing what you're saying. So they only know what you're saying. Does that make sense? Um, and, but a coach is different. So a coach is somebody that is, and it can be like, get some coaching from your mentor, but a coach is actually maybe somebody in a space that are, is seeing you every day it, and is like, you know, like saying, like being willing to take feedback in your current space. Now, I don't know if like you own the facility. I don't know if you're working underneath somebody, but like getting feedback from people that are actually seeing you in your day-to-day -day is helpful. And like, whether it be like you're sending a survey out to like kids and parents, or, you know, you are sending us like, and it can be anonymous or like you sending a survey out to, you know, or like you, you know, you're like in talk, you'd like talk to your boss, if you will, like on a day-to-day, -day, like about things and blah, blah. And they might be like, I want you to do this or blah, blah, or do what you want or blah, blah. But like actually sitting down and having the conversation, like, listen, I, I want you to be honest with me and like, tell me what you think my areas of improvement are and just, just be honest because I, like, I'm a bit self-deprecating my own personal annual reviews. And like, it, it's usually like my boss, like the one that I spent so many years with, like, he's like, I mean, he's like, you say this about yourself, but like, you actually are organized. And I like tell him I'm not organized or something like that. But I still want that conversation. Like I, even though I sat in an office with him and like see him and can talk to him anytime I want, I want that official review. Like, so I, I, and that's, I mean, it's hard to hear like things that you feel like, I mean, maybe sometimes it's not because you're like, yes, I totally get that. Like, that's how I totally see, I see it. Like, I mean, because if like somebody, if he's, unless they just really don't care about you and they're not a nice person, that's a different story. But there's always some truth into what they're saying, regardless of how nice they're putting it, you know? So if they say, well, you know, maybe you could do this. I'm like, okay, like that, maybe that's something you haven't thought of. So I, I think coaching is important as, as much as mentorship is um, because I feel like mentorship can be one-sided. I, I think that mentorship can be like, I'm having a conversation with you. Like, what would you do in this situation? You know, blah, blah, blah. You know, um, let's talk shop. But when it comes to like actually improving who you are, I feel like you need coaching, you know, and, and, and that's different and you should see it different. And, coaching is different to everybody, you know? So um, if you, that's, and I, and I feel that that's kind of what I am to my staff at times. Like it, it, it's coaching them through a situation. It's having those hard conversations um, and saying, this is what you could do to be better in this situation. And it's not always about your, it's never actually really about your ability to write a program or not. It's not, it's about, like your professionalism or your lack thereof, or it, it's about, um, you know, like your personality or something like that, you know, like how you come across, you know, you know, how many times I heard like my, you know, Jason say to me, like, it's not what you say, it's how you say it, you know, like these are things that I heard as a very like young person, because I already spoke to my directness, like, and, you know, don't point that stuck. You know, and there's some points, times when I'm just going to be me and say it way I want to say it because I feel like you need to hear it like I'm going to say it. But I think about that now, where before I just said it and didn't think about the consequence of whether that was going to be helpful in the situation or not. Um, so I, I think that I, I mentors, how do you get a mentor? Networking, developing relationships, you know, um, personal, like just, you know, going in a personal, like 
that the personal development space and, you know, reading books and reaching out and, and following people's websites and Instagrams and Twitters. And, you know, there's a lot of people that meet people just via social media, you know? Um, so I, and then like developing a relationship with that person um, is important. I, and it, it's relationship. And like, sometimes that you might be like talking to someone cause they might have information that you want to know, but doesn't mean they should be your mentor. You know, so um, it, it's not like, it's not about like seeking like the person that you, it's, you know, the person that you feel like is the top of our field. Like if I get to that person, I'm going to get the answers. I think it has to be a good fit as well. Um, so, but I, and, and also I would say like, lastly, like be willing to spend money on it. Um, I actually, you know, a, a friend of mine hired, like she, like she started kind of like a, I wouldn't call it like life coach. I mean, it was like life coaching, business coaching. She, she started a business and I hired her, you know, and I, I kind of was like, and it was like, uh, you know, when you're paying for a conversation, you're paying to get something out of it. So when you put money down on something, you're more willing to actually put a little bit more time into it than if it were free, you know? So like, you know, if you, if you're, especially if you're speaking to someone that like you really don't know and you're trying to reach out and you're trying to ask for their time, like, that's kind of like, all right, listen, like, I'm willing to, like, take you to lunch. Like, I'm willing to pay for this hour. Like, be willing to, like, put some money down on it um, because, like, well, I mean, you know, money creates value, but, I mean, it's also that person's time. So, I mean, I paid for, like, a service that just how, you know, like, in, it was, like, more, it was more professional development, decision-making, like, just really working through steps. It wasn't me like reading a book or listening to a podcast where I'm like, that's great, that's great. It was actually like, here are action steps. And when we talk next week and you're paying for next week's session, did you take those action steps? You know, so there's different levels of coaching and mentorship, but um, I think that those are just like a couple points to have the expectation of when you're seeking out that kind of service. And I wish I had a more formal answer about how to attain it and how to like screen for people and I like how you mentioned, like, it can just be someone that posts really good content, you know, and it could be something more formal where I literally asked him, I was like, hey, can I be your, or can you be my mentor? And then like, what it's, how it's manifested itself has like changed throughout the years. So I think it's a combination of like, of, well, I guess I'll give a, a little bit more context. He and I used to have all these conversations, like I literally end it with, dang it, Steve, like I'm not gonna sleep tonight just because my brain was going on a convo. So I knew that he was someone that I wanted to chat with. Or honestly, like you just enjoy how they speak, you enjoy the type of content they produce and you just like kind of vibe with them. And then, oh, and then you say, hey, I've been following your stuff. I love XYZ article. Like, like I understand you're a very busy person. If you're ever in town, let me pick you up from the airport, whatever it may be. And honestly, like I've had some calls with, with like pro people and like, it was not a good conversation, you know? Yeah. So it's, who's going to provide the most value to you? Who knows you as a person and who's going to say you don't deserve it. You're not all cut out, but here's how you can get to where you want to go. I think that, you know, like it's, I'm super fortunate to how it's, it's played out for me. And like, it, it takes a village to raise a kid. It takes a village to raise a professional, like all of these things I've gotten from a lot of smart people and nice people. And I'm super grateful for that. People like yourself. So I'm going to end on that, that, you know, there's the challenges and the fulfillments of different jobs. And then you can also lean on other people that have been there, done that, that can help you get to where you want to go. But you know, how those people come into your life. Tell me the story. Cause I, 
I don't know how it's going to play out for, for the listener, but I want to say thank you very much for your time. This hopefully probably going to be a 3.0 episode in the future because we touched on one of my seven and that was the background. So thank you very much for your time and, and just for kind of pulling the curtain back on just your life and your experiences. And, and I really enjoyed this a lot and I look forward to the next one. Great. Thanks for having me.